0: Hello, I'm Meg Walker and welcome to My Kind of People. Join me as I speak to leaders and community members across the world who all share a passion for positive change. Each week we'll explore the power of community, leadership, passion and positivity, and the beauty that can be created when these values come together. Each guest has been a big inspiration to me and I'm grateful to call them my kind of people. I hope they'll be yours too. I'm so excited for us all to connect really soon, but until then, I'm sending big love, good vibes, and positive energy. Who are your kind of people? In today's episode, I'm grateful to be joined by CJ Russo. CJ is an award-winning director, producer, and storyteller. CJ goes out of their way to share important stories that give way to new voices and provide valuable insight into human behavior. They also approach important discussions with both curiosity and compassion. Her films are insightful, inquisitive, heartfelt and honest. I'm excited to welcome CJ into this community as they are most definitely my kind of person. And I know they will be your kind of person too. So welcome to the podcast and community, CJ Russo. Welcome. Good morning,
1: Meg. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here on your show and to talk about films and community and life?
0: Oh, all my favorite things. So you are so welcome. Thank you so much again for coming on to the podcast. And I usually like to begin by telling the listeners how we cross paths. I'm grateful that we cross paths through our mutual friend, the very talented and lovely Brooklyn. And she told me that I had to check out your work. And yeah, I've been inspired by your art ever since. So thank you so much for being open to sharing some of your heart and wisdom today. I really appreciate it.
1: It's an honor to be here and a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks again.
0: Oh, you are more than welcome. And I know the listeners are going to love you. So before we learn a little bit more about your incredible work, CJ, I would love for this community to get to know more about you as a person. So where have you grown and flown? Where did you grow up and where would you consider home now? Well, I'm a native New
1: Yorker. Uh, I was born right outside of New York City and grew up there, went to school in upstate New York in Buffalo and Rochester where I received two degrees in photography. So I've been really interested in art and art making for a very long time. That led me to working for Kodak, which is a longtime Rochester company and kind of put Rochester on the map. And working for Kodak kind of got me through graduate school and ended up sending me out to Hollywood Mm. because I wanted to fuse my art making film interests with becoming a filmmaker in Los Angeles. So I moved to Los Angeles in 2000, continued to work for Kodak for a few years, and then kind of just went into post-supervising, directed and produced and wrote a bunch of short films. My films have screened at hundreds of LGBTQ film festivals over the years, and I've been in different types of labs screenwriters labs and directing labs. And I've just been working towards this career as other indie filmmakers um, know who may be listening. It just takes a very long time to put yourself on the map and to build your body of work. So I've really been focused on that, on image making, on filmmaking, on writing for a lot of my life. I was really excited to move to California in 2000 and be a part of the film community here. As an indie filmmaker, community is really important, being a part of the documentary scene, the independent film scene, the Sundance scene. I mean, even as much as Hollywood is an industry town for, say, television and big studio productions, it's always been important to find the filmmakers that, you know, have those independent voices, finding and building that community. And that's been wonderful because we each support each other and hold each other up. And I've been in California ever since. And uh, I just got to a point where I knew that I needed to make a feature film Mm -hmm. really in order to get my career to the next level, if you will. You know, growing up outside of New York City, there's this work ethic and philosophy, or at least in suburbia of New York. Where, you know, you go to college, you get that job, you commute into the city, you have your health insurance, you know, you have your 401k, and you're just working for the man, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just started to question that. And I was very unhappy working for a corporation, you know, again, needed to take that leap of faith and believing in myself as an artist and a filmmaker. and And, you know, really looking inside and inward and coming to the realization that, you know, this is why I'm here, if you will, like, I need to follow that path. And I kind of made a decision to sort of break with the corporate world, if you will, several years ago, and I was, you know, doing fine. I was actually, you know, very successful. And it was a scary thing to do. But you just get to a point in your life where if you don't give what you know, you feel like you're here to do, and your passions makes your heart sing it a chance, you know, you will end up regretting it. So I did, I left the corporate world and I just focused on my filmmaking and I was writing scripts. I was actually about to do a cycling film uh, that I wrote that I will eventually hopefully make. And that kind of went a little sideways. And then I just saw, you know, this cannabis industry was about to explode in California. It had already been legalized in Colorado and Washington and maybe even Oregon by that time. Uh, It was on the ballot in 2016 and I was curious about it because so many women were coming out in the media about being entrepreneurs, farmers, activists. And I was like, wow, this is very interesting. You know, because coming from the corporate world, you don't see a lot of women um, coming out in business. It's just this, I read a fact that there was 36% of leadership roles in the cannabis industry were held by women. So I was like, wow, that's unprecedented, right? At that time. Mm. And that's kind of sparked my curiosity to move towards my feature film, Lady Buds. But yeah, that was my story. And since 2016, 2017, I was kind of focused on making this film. And, you know, we had the pandemic and right now the film is out and we can get into that. But that's been the trajectory. You know, it's kind of been I've always been a photographer. I've always liked to tell stories. And I feel like it's important to tell these stories that no one's wanting to tell, at least my short films were pretty much focused on queer storytelling and coming out, coming of age stories. And, and you know, I just think it's really important to give voice to people that might not otherwise not have been able to tell their story, tell their story. So that's kind of what I've been up to. And that's where I am today.
0: Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing sure. that with me. What a special journey that you've been on. And I love that you've found home within your art. That's what you've followed, clearly.
1: Well, I think eventually for me, like I said, I come from a family that was just like this work ethic, go to work in Manhattan and, you know, get a good job and you'll be taken care of. I wasn't generally supported as an artist, as a kid, as a teenager, and even in college. So it was, it was a scary kind of thing, but I think that artists need to, you know, have the confidence that they have something to say and bring to the world and that their role is really important in society. And it took me a while to get there. But I do feel like art obviously has a huge value to change hearts and minds, especially filmmaking. You know, that's what I believe. And that's what I'm focused on today. And I'm grateful that I finally landed there.
0: Yeah. And I'm grateful, too. And thank you so much for sharing that honesty. And I think that will help a lot of people. I come from a creative background. Uh, Mm -hmm. Drama is what I studied And I'm lucky I was very supported in terms of what I wanted to study, but I think very much in the UK as well. And I think we find that all over the world, there is this path that you almost expected to be on for happiness. So even though I was lucky and encouraged up Mm. until kind of early adulthood in what I wanted to study, even though it was clear that I've chosen that as my one subject at college, right? I'm clearly very, taking this very seriously. And I love that after that stage, it was very much, well, what are you going to do? What serious job are you going to have now? Exactly. You know? um, I think the pandemic more than ever has just shown how vital the arts are and what people actually turn to in mm. times of difficulty especially in a few years where not much has made sense and there's been a lot of uncertainty. I think it was very powerful to observe how many people found comfort in art and looked to art for answers.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I feel like there has been a shift in just the way people are thinking about their lives, what's important to them and honoring that and art speaking to them and and expressing how people feel when they don't always have the words to uh, put that together themselves. So, yeah, we are at a different time. I mean, it's not to say that it's easy, you know, it's it's not easy. And I'm still trying to solve the puzzle of the whole thing. Economic sustainability as an artist is challenging. And we do have to do things in order to create our work. You know, it's life is still unfolding, but I do feel like it's important to, to own your creativity and to honor that.
0: Yes, so, so important. And I'm so glad you have because the art you have produced has, I've been deeply moved by your stories that you've shared so far and inspired by your creativity in which you shared them. But are there any people that have inspired you on your life journey, whether that's a life mentor you may have had or someone who particularly inspires you in the film world?
1: I mean, I think there's a lot of artists out there that inspire me. Some of my friends and colleagues that I went through school with actually inspire me. My friend John Paradiso, mm. who's an artist in the D.C. area, you know, was an artist right out of the gate. Like he gave it his all right out of school. And I, and I just always looked to him as being so brave. So there's the people in my life that are really brave. I don't know, a lot of photographers. I'd have to really give that a little bit more thought as we're talking this morning. I haven't really.
0: Yeah, was... <laughs> that's OK. It's it's a great situation to be in when you have so much inspiration that you struggle to have one person come to mind. That's a very blessed path of creativity, I think, to have so many But what we could talk about is I'd love to know a little bit more about the work you do. Why do you tell stories and what do you hope your own personal art contributes to the world?
1: Well, I tell stories that resonate for me, that come from inside or that inspire me in some way. I make films to elevate voices and ideas that are not usually mainstream in order to sort of sway the mainstream and ask people to think about life and look at life a little bit differently. I kind of feel like, you know, I've always felt like an outlier being a queer filmmaker and the way I present myself in the world. And those are the types of stories I'm drawn to, like outlier stories and giving LGBTQ people voice. Because I feel like, you know, even though the films and TV shows now we're seeing on the streamers, they're They're including a lot more queer characters, trans characters, non-binary characters. We have come a long way, but we still have a long way to go. And so over the years, I've always wanted to contribute to creating those stories for my community, if you will, because that's how I identify and to make people or to ask people to break the stigma of homophobia, to ask people to be more accepting We have come a long way, but I've been making films since the late 90s and off of the heels of like the new queer cinema movement back in those days and experimental films. And I was very inspired by like the films of Sadie Benning, Tom Kalin, the early Christine Bichon films. I guess that's a lot of where my inspiration has actually come from is the the early queer um, experimental film community. I just feel like it's important to express, uh, you know, our life experience. And again, I think things have changed and there's a lot more inclusiveness, but we're not fully inclusive yet. So I'm drawn to, to telling those types of stories, which was why, I mean, you're wondering how does that connect the dots to lady I also feel like it's really important to lift um, women's voices up mm-hmm. so that, you know, women can feel empowered and inspired. I mean, I've been watching films and tv through the lens of male writers and directors my whole life so we're finally getting to a point where you know women filmmakers there's no parody in the industry but we have more voice but i feel like that is why i'm here is to lift up those voices And for Ladybug specifically, when I was doing this research about what's in California was called Prop 64, was the proposition on the ballot where cannabis legalization for recreational consumption became legal in 2017. When I was doing my research and meeting with all of these women, because I was so curious, I interviewed over 100 women because it was really important to me to represent very diverse voices in the film. A refrain kept coming up in these interviews and they were saying, we're coming out of the shadows to go into the light, coming out of the shadows. And it was just like to live our authentic life so we don't have to hide anymore. And I was like, that really resonated for me, as you can imagine, Um, coming out of the closet, coming out of the shadows, living, you know, your true self. And so I was just kind of very taken by that and wanting to tell their story because I could relate and I also wanted to share the queer history of cannabis activism that a lot of people don't know about. I didn't know about it, and so I, I thought that was really important to put into the film too. So I'm very passionate about giving um, marginalized voices the spotlight, telling their stories, inspiring other women, inspiring youth for tomorrow. And, and right now, I'm also very passionate about the environment, and um, I'm working on you know I'm developing some projects you know around that as well. But I do feel that. I'm here to kind of tell these stories of the queer community, for women's voices. And, you know, like I said, outliers, you know, I kind of think that everybody deserves to tell their story. The more diverse thinking we have, the more interesting life is.
0: Yes, so beautifully said. And you can really tell through your work that that's where your passion lies. And I think that's so important. And you're right we've come a very long way, but we still have a very long way to go. And I think that's a real gift back to the community that you are going out of your way to tell these stories and to elevate voices that aren't normally heard and to share sides of the story that aren't normally seen and the nuance in between and nuance is very hard to capture.
1: Thank you. I'm very touched that you've hit upon that because Sometimes it's hard for me to even talk about my own work, but yeah, I really appreciate what you're seeing in it. It's so easy to tell a story that, you know, is just right there on the surface. And having said that, I do think it's important for the filmmaker or the artist to have a very strong point of view. So I learned a lot in making Lady Buds because I had a journalistic approach and wanted to kind of document what was going on. But I also came in there with like, oh, well, I this is what's going on. This is what's really going on. And I need to show that in a certain way. You use the word nuance or subtle that can express, for example, when the proposition, Prop 64, was when they were betrayed by the one acre cap and that, you know, how to talk about that in a way. No one was telling that story in the media. No one was really reporting the real consequences of legalization in California. At the time, it was all about oh, big business, the green rush. These companies are coming in. Let's go to these flashy conferences in Vegas and get investors for our brands and this and that. And no one was really addressing what was happening to these farmers, tens of thousands of farmers in Northern California, for example, that were contributing to their economies for, since the 60s. No one was really talking about the people that were still in jail for small cannabis crimes. It was all this green rush, greed. And so it's easy and flashy to tell those stories. But I always find the other side much more interesting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I thought I was really intrigued by some of your shot decisions. Like there were several shots within the film that featured the women staring out of a window. And I really, whether it is intentional or not, was moved by the symbolism of that. You know, you talk of outliers and this kind of being removed slightly from the community and kind of observing what's going on. And it was really interesting to see through a camera lens, the women seeing things through their own lens. And I thought the use of the windows was actually very symbolic and really powerful.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Several of those shots were planned in advance. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were watching what was unfolding and they were very vulnerable. So
0: yes, thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. And as much of a gift as your work is to the community, I mean, you touched on it slightly before, but how does it feel to share your own work with the world? Does that feel like a heavy responsibility sometimes? And, you know, the challenges that come with that, especially as a queer filmmaker or for women filmmaking as well.
1: Well, it's. It's very vulnerable. Um, it's always been very personal to me. It's hard to make anything that doesn't come from somewhere inside my heart, mm. my mind, my emotions. So yes, a lot of my work in the past has been very personal, somewhat autobiographical, if you will. It was very nerve wracking to bring Lady Buds to the world because I've, you know, not to sound, I don't know, too lofty, but I've always thought of Lady Buds as this one big canvas that I painted. And uh, I had no idea how it was going to be received. Mm. Uh, I knew that the community in California was very grateful that I was able to tell that story. No, like I said, nobody was telling that story. You yeah. know? Now there's some recognition of what's the fallout of legalization in California. But yeah, it continues to be, pardon me, a very, um, I don't know, uncomfortable is not the exact word, but it is like having my work out there. There's a responsibility, right? Like for me, I want to make sure that if it's a documentary, there's a lot of integrity in the representations that are part of the story that I'm telling. I'm very mindful and thoughtful about, you know, every shot, every bit of narrative that's in there, because it's important to represent people um, in a truthful way, you know? Because as you know, like documentaries aren't just straight news. There's a strong point of view and it's, you know, you can manipulate that. So I want to be as much as in integrity with that as possible. But yeah, I also, you know, make photographs. I've had my work in galleries and that, that works very personal and it is, you know, very vulnerable. But I mean, on the other side of it, I've asked all of these women to bear everything about their lives on a camera and truthfully, I do feel like it reveals a lot about the filmmaker as well. And I have to be able to, it's a two way street, if you will. Yeah, that was a great question. But.
0: Yeah, no, it really does. And one of my favorite things about you as a storyteller, CJ, is your ability to convey compassion on screen. And my goodness, there is so much compassion shared through your storytelling. And that particularly moved me when watching ladybugs. And what really surprised me was the deep conversations um, you managed to capture from what seems to be a community that wouldn't normally welcome outsiders. And that really must have required a very high level of trust between yourself and the women you followed. How did you go about cultivating that trust?
1: Well, a uh, very, very uh, good point you're making because this was a community for generations that were hiding were very cautious about outsiders you know uh, couldn't reveal what they were doing and now all of a sudden they were able to talk about their lives but it was at the very beginning of this moment where everybody was starting to get Instagram accounts till I take pictures of their weed which is still mind-blowing to me today yeah but yeah no I uh went to women in cannabis networking events in Denver, in Los Angeles, cannabis farmers markets, which are unique to California. And I met cultivators. I met women. And I just was going to these events with my camera and uh, we would set up an interview and um, everybody was really excited. There was a lot of optimism right at that moment. Like we're going legal. We're going to make it. We don't have to hide anymore. We're doing what we love doing, growing cannabis and we're going to sell our cannabis to the people like everybody was so excited to brand and all this stuff it was very, very different now. But they were like, oh, you need to come to our farm. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I'd love to come to your farm <laughs> where someone has been smoking weed since she's 14. Like, <laughs> I'd love to see a cannabis garden and see what that's like. Right. It was just like the curtain being unveiled at Oz, you know. And so I threw all my camera gear in my car, my camping gear and headed up to Humboldt and Mendocino for a few weeks. And went to different farms, spent time with these women and had more interviews and smoked a lot of weed (laughs) because, you know, they wanted to know I was the real deal, right? Because who is this person just coming up to our farm with all this camera gear and we're just telling them everything, right? So building trust in the community was really about sitting down with them and having intimate conversations without the camera at first, you know, like just talking about who we are, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? What's drawing me to this content? And then them wanting to share their cannabis with me. And that's really special. So there was that. And I get it. I get it. People want to know, like, you know, is she an arc? Like, what, what is she doing? Is she going to come and tell the story? What is her point of view? Like, and so sharing some of my work with them, talking about my perspective as an artist and what we've been talking about here, like my mission as a filmmaker I gained the trust over time. And it was interesting because at that time, I did not know what type of film this was going to be. I was exploring creatively, like the aesthetics. I was exploring the story. This was all unfolding in real time, you know, that the proposition passed, everybody was gearing up to go online and open their stores and, you know, make their farms compliant. And, um, had no idea where this was going. So I was very lucky that everybody was open to jump on the journey because nobody knew where the film was going. But what I think they thought was that I was this filmmaker that was going to put all this content up and promote their brands. And that's obviously not what I was doing. I came to this with like, I'm making an art piece and, or a docu- you know, an art piece documentary or whatever. I was making something that was more substantial, but didn't know what that was. And so I was like, you know, with the women in the film, Chia, I want to, you know, can I come back up to the farm and hang out with you? And then I did did that several times. I'm like, she she just keeps coming back here. And so kind of evolved like this is what was we were making a feature film. That's what this was turning into. And my producer and cinematographer, Christian Bruno, we were in the car going up and down California, as you know, it's a very large state, having conversations about what is the story here? What are we doing? We're capturing hundreds of hours of footage. What is this? And, um, you know, it was like, all right, well, let's document the first year leading up to legalization and the second year when it's turned on in the lives of these women to see how they survive this transition from going from the underground market to the regulated market. So we had a framework that would keep this a little contained because I w- I'd still be filming today if, if we didn't have that. Mm-hmm. So, and then everybody was like on board, you know. But gaining trust as a filmmaker and as a documentarian is, is tricky. And I, I'm very grateful and blessed that everybody really believed in it. And she is an artist as well. And so she could see that I was in the thick of a creative uh, discovery process. So she kind of knew what was going on and she was gratefully very supportive. So, yeah, but not everybody, everybody was like, Chris, you know, no, you can't come visit me in the hospital. No, you can't come over now. Like it was very much like I kept pushing but I did have their trust. So, you know, I stayed in their homes on off the grid homesteads up in Humboldt, Mendocino. You know, we'd have the camera rolling at six 30 in the morning when they're making tea. So it was intense, but I don't know, I guess they really liked me and they let me do that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And I I can tell why, and I'm sure they appreciated the levels that you were willing to go to, to be a part of their community. Right. Um, you know, wanting to get to know them as people first. I think it's so important that you wanted to do that before the camera's rolling and shows that your investment as like seeing them as a person before you saw them as like a, a case study almost. Absolutely. That's what's so
1: important. And that's where you get those universal truths, right? Like she is a mom raising two sons on a cannabis farm And so people see her as a mom on screen and can relate. Like you want to see people for who they are and that's how other people can connect to them because we're all just humans trying to make life work.
0: Exactly. And I think that in itself is an art to capture that because I think, especially if um, documentary or real life footage is done well, people can often forget that who you are observing is a person before they are a muse. Right. And yeah, I'm just blown away by the trust you're able to create. You know, this is my podcast. I've been able to create my own community and that takes time and work. I've had to keep showing up. I have to stay true to my values. I keep giving, I keep spreading values and being true to my word. That takes a lot of time to build a safe community that we can all feel proud of and people can Feel welcoming. So, what does community mean to you? And has your idea of community changed as you've continued to evolve as an artist?
1: A community is so important to to feel like you belong and can connect with people that have shared values, if you will, because this world is big and rough, and there's a lot of people that don't share your values. Community is so important to for an artist. You know, for the cannabis community specifically, a community that is stronger when they're together against these larger corporations, community is everything. Before I made Ladybuds, I was always a, a cyclist. I've done the AIDS life cycle ride a couple of times wow, and I'm really in the thick of um, the bicycling community in Los Angeles. And it was like my chosen family you know, because here we we were like a bunch of misfits that came together over cycling for a cause. But these communities are like extended familial groups, you know, like these are chosen families. These are people that are there for you. These are people that show up for you that have more, uh, like I said, more power and a larger voice when they're together. So communities always been important. And even, you know, just in the queer community, thank God we have these communities across the world. In fact, you know, this is pride month. So there's a lot of exciting fellowship, if you will, around communities. I'm not one out there in a parade, but I'm just saying like, it's a nice thing that um, we celebrate who we are together. So communities, super important. And I think like you're saying, they need to be cultivated. You know, we need to continue to maintain them and protect them, grow with them. So very important uh, where, wherever we are. And I think that the pandemic put a lot of strain on that, right? We were all isolated quite a bit. And it was hard to maintain the community feeling. And I think now people are excited to come out and interact and be social again within our communities. But yeah, community is very important. And the work that you're doing to talk about that and to foster these voices is also like really, really important.
0: Thank you. I, I really appreciate it. It's one of my biggest values. And exactly like you said, it takes work from everyone involved to keep Building a safe community, one that you can trust and one that you can all have that shared values. And it's so important. You're going to have different people that make up a community and it's important to be able to create opportunity where different voices in the community can be heard that wouldn't normally get that opportunity. I think Pride Month, what a beautiful month to be able to celebrate that and lift up voices, but we need to be creating more spaces and opportunities for these voices to be heard all year round, which is something I think you do so beautifully. And often when something is done so beautifully and seamlessly, people don't realize the work and the continued Mm. effort that goes into that and how much of yourself goes into that. So I just wanted to thank you personally for that. I'm grateful for it and it's appreciated. And Something I talk a lot about with guests on the podcast and through my coaching is this increased need for instant gratification in society. You know, we were just talking about community and how that takes time to build. And I think a lot of people want to be successful or want to see a finished product, but they want the quickest, easiest, and least work filled way to do it. And it's an idea that I'm really passionate about changing because. I would like to challenge people's idea of success as focusing on the finished product without cherishing the process. I think the process is more valuable measure of the success for me. So what are your thoughts on that? How much time do you think you've personally dedicated to your own passion? And what do you think it's taken to reach the level of craftsmanship that you're currently at?
1: Wow, great question. Well, it's taken me my entire life to get to where the craft is right now. The process is so interesting. I could talk about this for a very long time. The (laughs) process is like everybody's like enjoy the journey, right? Like that cliche, enjoy the journey. But that is the process. Mm. And for me, while sometimes that process is so hard, like making this film was not easy. And it was grueling. And there were several nervous breakdowns. And like I was having a, a crying fit, like alongside the women that weren't getting their you know licenses. Like it was just this parallel, like it's so hard to make a film and it's so hard to be a cannabis farmer. And so the process and the journey is sometimes really like difficult. And, you know, um, whether it's a film or writing a novel or a screenplay, You know, like you're trying to crack this code and trying so hard to to finish it or raise the money or something goes wrong technically and the the camera breaks. And it's just like everything is just like problem solving time after time after time. And I need to learn and work harder at enjoying that process. Yeah. Because life is just one day at a time. And here we are. And it's going to go by fast. So I think it's fascinating what you're pointing out because so many people have said to me, oh, you could make a movie about you making this movie. And I'm like, well, it's not about me. (laughs) I don't need to do that. But it's true. My journals and my, you know, all of my my writings during the making of this film, it's like it was very intense. I think it's important to honor that. And one other thing is for me, as much as as grueling as it was, it was the best part. Yeah, it was the best part because I'm the kind of person like I, I did sit in the film over the weekend. We had our last film festival screening on the calendar at the Mendocino Film Festival this past weekend.
0: Congratulations.
1: uh, Thank you. And, you know, it's been a very wonderful, robust film festival tour. We've we've been at a lot of great film festivals in the last year. And I sat through the film and I was very proud, you know, to watch it again. I mean, you know, but there's several festivals. I'm just pacing in the back or out in the lobby. And it's hard for me to, it's not hard for me to watch the film, but creatively, creative gratification was really when I was getting those things in the moment when I was getting, you know, the sound bite or the scene or the shot of the sunset or, you know, out somewhere in nature. And I got these, that creative process for me is where the gold is and the rewards are. Yeah. Watching the film is, of course, like, oh, I did that. I'm so proud of it. But, you know, I think the process for me is the most exciting part.
0: Yeah, I think it's so much more long lasting, right, than, as much as doing the process to get these moments of success at the end, but that can always be fleeting. And that's why I really would like to change people's kind of idea of that and really try and be present in the process where possible.
1: Are you talking about changing people's ideas as audience or as artists changing whose idea I
0: think both I think more audience and like aspiring people that you know you can see success uh, whatever artist you are and you can think you know I want to be just like my favorite artist I want the level of success that they are at but people often want it now or compare themselves to where these people are now and not enough yeah. attention is placed on how they got there. First of all, being that most people aren't very good at where they start. And also, there's no match for the process. You can't trade that for anything. That's something that yeah. is really priceless. And I think that's where, you know, not to dismiss it at all, but like you won't find it hard to find awards, right? Awards can be everywhere. And they are often a really... meaningful token of appreciation for your work. But what is completely unique is your own individual process to getting there. And that's where the most meaning is found, where the most learning happens, where you most discover yourself as well. And that's So important. I think, like, it was touching upon something you said earlier when we were talking about pride. You know, you said you weren't, you're not someone who particularly would be out there waving a flag. That's not how you necessarily show your pride, but you share your pride through your art, through your filmmaking. And that's so much of that can be felt through the process. And then I think, in terms of the artist, I think looking at myself here, I know I can certainly be guilty. Of getting so caught up in actioning out the process that I forget sometimes to actually stop and appreciate the journey and yeah. where I've come, which it's it's always can be hard in the moment, yeah, no,
1: absolutely, I agree with everything you're saying. I think we also you know a lot of humans have anxiety they they want to get to the end or they have worries or fears, and that's in the mix too, but it is. Exactly in that making of that art, that is the discovery, that is the enlightenment, that is the healing. And if we don't go through that, you know, you have to go from here to get to there. Like all this stuff in the middle is where that magic happens. And as you're, you know, as we're talking about this, it's true. Like just me going up to these communities to film and talk about what I'm doing, all of that is part of the process of discovering with everybody and reducing the stigma of queer people just by me being there. Having these conversations, looking the way I do, filming ladybuds it's like, who is this weirdo, right? It's just like, well, no, this is me. I'm a queer filmmaker and I'm doing this. I mean, it was I was kind of like a unicorn up there. And, but it was like, I think it opened up a lot of, um, you know, acceptance maybe to people that didn't know people like me. So it's yeah. like it's all that stuff happens in the making of things too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think people they want to know how to get from A to B. And yeah. really they and that's how they'll be successful. But really the answers and the meaning comes from the in between.
1: And it's part of the an artist's responsibility for activism if you will, depending on the kind of artist you are because that is all part of it, changing hearts and minds. We all need to sort of just relax and enjoy the journey. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> <laughs> Which hindsight's a wonderful thing. I know, I know. And is there anything you would like to see more of in the film industry? How do you hope your storytelling will continue to develop?
1: Well, I mean, I always want to see more inclusion in stories that we see, you know, on the streamers and the movies and on TV. I want to see more uh, women behind the camera, more representations of the queer community and telling women's stories you know, I'm figuring out the next steps. Uh, I'm working on developing a lot more interesting projects, you know, about the topics we've already talked about. It would be nice if there were more opportunities uh, given to independent filmmakers. And it would be uh, nice if they were easier to find. It's still a difficult professional industry to enter into. um, And I'm, you know, working on getting my work out to larger audiences. So, you know, it's just really about finding those stories and having the passion to sell them to the gatekeepers, if you will. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the thing It's like, I can make films and put them up on YouTube, but there's a lot of power in getting a, a larger audience to see uh, and think differently from these types of stories. So, you know, I'm working on it and trying to enjoy the journey.
0: For sure. And it's an interesting parallel because I know in Lady Bird, such, well, one of the biggest themes is this idea of small business versus large business. And um, you really give a lot of insight into that. And it sounds like it, there's similar struggles within the film industry.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's been a tough journey for women forever, but I think I think it's getting better slowly. I think it's, I'm remaining hopeful.
0: Yes. And I appreciate your positivity and you continuing to put your work into the world. So CJ, thank you so much for the heart and wisdom you've shared today. I'm excited to witness the stories you've yet to tell. And I would love for more people to see and experience more of your work. So how can people do this? Where can they find you?
1: First of all, thank you so much for having me on, Meg, to to share my story and to have this great conversation and for the work you're doing. Ladybuds is available now pretty much anywhere in the world. Very blessed that it had an international release just last week. So, wherever you are, you can watch it on Amazon, on iTunes, on pretty much any streamer. In the US, it's also on Stars, in Canada, it's on Stars. And you can go to ladybudsmovie.com. To really see where we're playing, some press, um, what platforms we're streaming on, uh, to sign up for the newsletter, and um, uh, stay in touch with Ladybuds News. And cjrusso.com is uh, my personal website, so I'll be putting information up there as I develop uh, more projects. And I'm just really appreciative that the response has been so supportive and wonderful for Ladybuds, it's been very moving you know your kind words on the show and I feel so just touched that my work is resonating you know after working like so long in my life to make my art and for this to finally be out there it's been it's been pretty awesome so so thank you and I'm just just so appreciative to be on your show.
0: You are so welcome I will put the link to the Ladybuds. Website in the show notes as well for people to find it, just because I really recommend it. It's a uh, beautiful storytelling and, as I say, shares light and nuance to a subject that you might norm- not normally get to see. And um, mm-hmm. before we wrap up, I know you've already shared so much wisdom and insight today. Um, but to finish, do you have any parting words of advice that have served you well that you would like to share with the community?
1: I think to really believe that what stories you want to tell are important stories. There's someone out there that's going to really appreciate hearing about, you know, your story and who you are and knowing that they're important. Telling stories and storytelling is such an important craft to learn about each other, to learn about our differences and to learn about what we share in common. And I do feel like for artists and creatives that are questioning if, you know, what they're doing is important, it is certainly very important. And there's so much value and healing that art can bring to both the artists and the community that I just would encourage people to never second guess that.
0: Yes, I love that encouragement. Thank you so much. And CJ, thank you for coming on the show and for sharing your talent, time and energy with us. Thank you for your art. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your courage and for sharing powerful stories from people who wouldn't normally have their voices shared. And thank you for being my kind of person. Thanks, Meg you're Enjoy so welcome that. and I just want to finish on one last message which is inspired by Sue Taylor actually from Lady Buds and she said don't give up if it's dear to your heart don't let anything stop you and I think that's the perfect way to end
1: absolutely thank you so much
0: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of My Kind of People. I hope you felt the positive energy from this week's guest. If this episode was of value to you, then please rate, review and subscribe. It's so greatly appreciated. Thanks again.